cliffcentral.com. Right, and uh, thankfully many restaurants have reopened in the country, but just hearing uh, the, the name of Nando's again has made me think we've got to keep supporting our, our restaurants and our small businesses in this country more than ever now because those are the people that are not only going to feed us, but they're the people who are struggling themselves to keep um, all of their staff, to keep their businesses operating, and that's before any of this craziness happened this week. That was just normal lockdown nonsense. So... This morning, the burning platform, as always, brought to you by Nando's. And today we get to talk and to debate and to discuss all of the issues in a very, very, uh, a very different South Africa to the one that we were talking about in most of the burning platforms for the last year. I've got uh, two of our, our best contributors over the past while to join us this morning. We're going to be joined by uh, Lito Ndoba. We, of course, have uh, Pumi Mashiko here as well. And we've got... Dr. Jonathan Witt. So welcome, guys. Uh, there's a lot to talk about this week. <laughs> I'm not sure where to begin, but let's start at the at the nexus of all of this. Let's start with, with Jacob Zuma and the fact that it was precipitated by him. Do you guys all believe, as an opening salvo, do you believe that what has precipitated itself in South African society has been orchestrated by the Zuma faction? Do you think all of this is actually an organized thing or do you think this is pure mob chaos like Pumi was talking about earlier where people just get swept up and they do stupid and bad things because that's what they think they can get away with um, where do we begin Liton Doba you can start us off this morning uh, okay morning, 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 morning guys morning um, so my 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 views on this are very different right so mm. there there is a Zuma hand working in and amongst all of this right and I think it's very important to notice that there are two sides to this mm. whole looting and protesting thing. It's the one disorganized with no ideology side where people are just running into the nearest mall and taking what they can. Right. And on the other side, there's a much more organized and more nefarious targeting of crucial infrastructure to our economy and also our country. And so we must recognize the difference between the two. So, the, where you see this, the, the the nefarious Zuma organizing, right, is that how does one open a factory? Like, how do you get to the point at which you open the first gate and then you open to the to the loading docks of that factory? It seems like there are people who are indeed opening these factories so that people can come in and opening the shops that people can come in, right? Mm. But then on the other side is, notice that, Whenever you see the looting, it's always in a residential area that's near a mall or shopping complex. But whenever there's that checkers hyper that was burning, I think, in Peter Maritzburg, mm. there was nobody to loot that place. So then it was opened and then burned. And so you see that there is, if there are no people to loot, then you just go in there and burn it and just waste whatever resources are inside of that place. And then secondly... The closing of the N3 with the sort of hijacked trucks mm. um, and then the intimidating of truck, truck drivers, also like looting that goes towards the harbor, trying to go take cars <clears throat> and all of that seems to be more organized towards the sort of like casting doubt into the capabilities of the country to import and logistically move goods, right? Mm -hmm. And then the last part is the one where you see there's an effort to also overload the the sort of medical side of things. So when yeah. the people broke into the um, blood service, people laughed it off on Twitter to go like, oh yeah, this is a funny thing. But breaking into the blood service of South Africa 
is very crucial in trying to break down the way in which our um, health services work, right? Because the blood service has always been constrained in South Africa. Mm. And if somebody thinks about it and knows it very well, you understand that if you just go in, break the fridges, or just unplug the fridges, the blood then turns bad and then you can't, can't use, use it. it. And so there's an- and so when you do all of these things, you you are then trying to sabotage the country. Yeah, and, and, so and uh, you, you, you could even you, you could even throw that Afrox uh, plant, which was which was set on fire. You could throw that into that mix too, because that's clearly, you know, it's not something that ordinary people can use. But without the oxygen that they produce there, they're going to be lots and lots of people who are suffering with COVID and other things right now who can't get their oxygen. So that makes an that makes an interesting point. So here's the crucial part, right? Mm. Remember that Jacob Zuma and his family are deeply obsessed with the state security agency and its apparatus, right? Mm. Jacob Zuma in and of himself was just like obsessed with it. Mm. Even when he was president, even before that, he would just go and sit at the state security agency and try to find out as much as he can. Tutuzani, we found out through the commission, actually got one of these free ride jobs at the state security agency. And so if you're thinking about it, they would understand the ways in which to try and sabotage <laughs> South Africa because yeah. you're not going to, to sabotage South Africa and its economy or how it works or even get the attention of anyone if you're looting in Belcom or in Bloomfontein no, sure. or Bloomfontein. Sure. And so when you're thinking about that, there are two very important places in South Africa to cause this disruption. It is in KZN and in Gauteng. If those two places are in turmoil, our economy then is in very, very doubt yeah what do you what do you say to to lito's points uh Pumi, and then i'll bring uh jonathan into this uh do, do you think he makes a valid point about infrastructure and some kind of coordination by these nefarious forces and also what's going to happen to them well we we have been talking about that you know we've been talking about what is what does this all mean i mean the the n3 uh the burning of trucks and mm-hmm. intimidating truck drivers has been going on for it's been going on for over a year. It's been going on for a long time and nothing has been done about it. It's kind of alludes to what I was talking to earlier about the fact that the state security agency is broken. But what we're seeing is we're seeing an overall breakdown of government. The police are unable to do anything. Right. The army is unable, to, the intelligence, that nothing is working. Yeah. Nothing is working in South Africa at the moment. And this is what we're seeing, the, the anger of people spilling over into that. Are there, and I've, I've seen WhatsApps of uh, various factions kind of talking about we're targeting this, we're targeting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is with us? The various wards, you, you talk about, you know, the branches mm-hmm. in, um, on the ground in the in the KZN area, so the branch leaders, and mm. remember that those guys are like networks of patronage, right? Now. Yeah, correct. Deeply entrenched yeah. networks of patronage. So th- there is a coordination, but I don't think it's as well thought out or thought through as as Leto may see it. Leto, I'm, I, I, you know, I think that there is a, a bit yeah. of coordination, but I don't think it's as well thought out as that. Well, Jonathan, you've had some interesting things to say on, on Twitter about this. How do, you, how do you see this from, from the analysis that you've been doing? Um, morning. I mostly morning. agree with, uh, with Pumi there. Uh, you know, uh, 
extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And if you're going to turn around and say, well, this is all coordinated, um, we need a bit more evidence than that. I'm sorry, but as Pumi says, trucks have been attacked on the N3 for a long time now. Nobody cared. Um, attacked and burnt. Uh, the violence rises and falls on occasion. Hmm. Um, there was a story about uh, communication towers having been attacked. Yeah. Um, with due respect, communication towers get attacked all the time because they have batteries and generators and things like that. Right. Um, perhaps it's a bit worse than it is currently, uh, than it has been. But the, the the truth is, is I think that we need to look at two realities here. And um, part of what Lito is saying is that there's random sort of looting and crowds um, and mobs um, rioting. Um, and then there are people who will take the opportunities. And you're going to see that in the next weeks and months. Um, there are going to be political actors who are going to take their opportunities. You saw Julius Malema trying to take his opportunity mm. and screwing it up royally. Um, and, and, and you know, everyone is going to try and make the situation the best for them. Can I, um, so, yes, are there – sorry, yes. No, 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 just finish your sentence on that one. Are there, are there so, links? So there are, you know, are there people who are, who are um, uh, engaging in, in some sort of coordinated planning? Yeah. Uh, sure, uh, <clears throat> most likely, um, and that will get more and more as it happens. You can see communities engaging in organized yeah. planning to stop this. Yes. Now, the question that you've just made me think of, you said Julius has screwed up his opportunity royally. I, again, can't help feeling sorry for him. He's just, he's always been envious of having a struggle. And now this was his chance and he, he fucked this up too. I, I got to ask you all, Dudu Zanezuma appears to me to be, you know, where before we weren't really sure of the measure of the man because he's just this good looking guy. He's popular with a lot of teenage girls and his father is a very well-known and very capable political actor. Certainly, he's the kind of guy who could stir up a crowd if he needed to, even if he's in prison and the crowd can't hear him. Um, but Dudu Zanezuma has revealed himself to be a complete amateur in all of this. Sure. If you've seen the videos that he's been putting out, he, he, it's like he's trying to pretend to pretend to be an actor who's a politician. It's very bad. The veneer is so thin. Do any of you disagree? Because if anyone has blown their opportunity, it's Dudu Zanezuma and all of this. I mean, he was he was hoping for a political career. He's going to run, you know, he's going to run up against the, the machinery of the ANC in the next elective conference. I mean, is there anyone who's taking him seriously here? Um, you know, the problem with Dudu Zani is he bought into the the narrative that he built around his troll farm, right? The people who were backing him up and saying, this is this guy's <laughs> going to be the new youth league president. Yeah. He's going to do all of these things. Yeah. So he thought the the internal weakness that's inside the ANC and the ANC youth league is the weakness that is generally in South Africa. And so he thinks you can get by with like, nice English and your good looks and a flashing a smile and then saying <laughs> things that are totally idiotic. Right. Yeah. And so what we're seeing, and I'm glad he's doing it yeah. because in South Africa, people are starting to think that their politics and, and the politics of the ANC are some kind of a monarchy where you can inherit um, your father's um, Mental, popularity yeah. or it can rub off on you. If somebody like gives you 10,000 rand, you're somehow a politician. And now we're starting to see those lines clearly defined. Stay in your lane. You should have stayed in your private school or lived in Dubai, wherever the hell you were. Stay there because South Africans are more discerning of stupidity now. We, yeah. we are starting to really, really decide who is dumb and should stay out of our way and who is smart enough to lead us. And I think that's a good place where we are, like, as South Africans and trying well, to pick out 
who who should be in front of us. It's amazing how much of the stuff gets pushed to the side. Um, and I will give you a chance, Pumi and Jonathan, to respond to, to Lito's comments about Duduzane. But it's amazing how people suddenly reprioritize and recalibrate the things that they thought were important a couple of months ago. The things that it's amazing how like Corona has just been pushed off to the side as well. Like that was never as big an issue as, as everybody made it to be. I mean, you've been going on about that, Jonathan, fearlessly on, on Twitter since the beginning. And I've got to give you points for consistency. But now suddenly, you know, when your when your neighborhood is being assaulted by mobs of people and when your shops are being looted and there's a chance that you won't have food for the rest of the week, suddenly people's priorities come into stark focus and they leave behind a whole lot of political bullshit and baggage. And a lot of the things that we thought were so important and we used to discuss here on the burning platform are suddenly not big issues. Do you agree? Well, how's about that racism billboard, Gareth? Racism <laughs> is not the problem. Didn't that just get proven 100% correct? Yeah. I mean, you should have Gabriel Krauser on here so everyone can just <laughs> we had him on two him weeks for ago. about 10 minutes. We actually had him a standing ovation. Yeah, we had him on to talk about precisely that just two weeks ago. And, and I, I, think, know. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's thrilled. He's thrilled at how it's been proven right. But, but yes, I mean, there are other things too that we've looked at. I mentioned COVID and you, you chuckled. I mean, do you think that that's also been put on the back burner? It turns out lots of people don't care about COVID if there's a chance to grab some free stuff. Yeah, look, it seems to me that, uh, unfortunately, I'd like to believe Lito's view that everyone's kind of focused on the right things now and they want the wrong people to get out of the way and all of that. Um, But a lot of people seem to be lemmings, you know, and and they they do follow the the sort of – order of the day, uh, whatever it happens to be. And so this week it's looting and rioting across the country. Uh, if we manage to get on top of this, um, yeah. you know, it, next week it'll be out of the news. Um, it'll be when that happened. Um, yeah. And then it'll be on to the political discussions around that and people will be thinking about that. Um, I really think what's important um, in this whole thing is is seeing the bigger picture. And um, that was what my Twitter thread was about, was how did we get here? How did How did we arrive in 2021 with with the point that um, a man goes to jail, uh, it it causes an ignition of uh, these riots. Um, not is the cause of the riots, in my opinion, but it does cause a spark, um, which which enables those riots to happen. But then, at the same time, you lose complete law and order. You have no control over those riots in multiple areas across the country, um, which you can't blame on tribalism, as in my opinion, as as Helen Zilla um, sort of mentioned before the riots happened, um, just based on where this has taken place. Um, and and how did we get you after 20 years of really bad decision making on the part of pretty much everyone from the voters to the ANC? Pumi. So I wanted, you know, when I left the show last week um, and it was sparked by a comment that came through from one of the listeners. I I spent a little bit of time kind of thinking what I wanted to talk about this week is we spoke about a lack of leadership across the board last week. Hmm. And I wanted to talk about the other political parties and why they have failed to step into the leadership gap as well. And, you know, we talk about how this whole thing has backfired on Julius in the worst way. I think I've said it on the show before that I think the EFF has plateaued because they are one trick pony and they, they have nothing else to, to offer us. Their biggest thing for a very long time was get rid of Jacob Zuma and what's come out on social media platforms across the board is Julia saying, we need a political solution to a political problem. 
contrasted with videos of him saying that old man will be a pensioner in jail. Mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and, and that's the credibility that they have lost, you know, and we, we often speak about why is our biggest opposition party, the DA, not able to transcend, not able to to capitalize on all of these situations? Why is it that they're unable to just crack the code and get people on their side? Jonathan, what's up? No, I mean, I can can give you part of that answer. And and part of the answer is part of the people that are responsible for that. And that is the corporate media. The corporate media are responsible. How many people know that John Steenhuisen was on the ground pretty much the next day and has been every day since? He was the first political leader on the ground. Frankly, there is leadership. John Steenhuisen has shown excellent leadership. He posted a a statement yesterday which gave good examples of what should be done. Um, The new Zulu king who is a very young man with very little experience, Mrs. Zulu Zulu, if I'm not mistaken, um, he gave a statement which was far superior to anything Cyril has done. Uh, you, you know, the reality is we do have um, leadership in this country, but we also have a, a grouping of people, not only politicians, but corporate media who have an agenda here. So News24 has been tweeting out from their account, hashtag Zuma riots, the entire way through this, completely oblivious to the fact this has nothing to do with Zuma overall as a major issue. And they are obsessed with doing that. Why? Because as has been their their intent since the beginning, Cyril must be the god, i.e. Cyril is majestic, according to Adrian Basson, and uh, uh, Zuma and his faction must be the enemy. And if you can create those two sides, you can keep the ANC in power forever because you've got one bad side and one good side and you can sell that to the community. And that's exactly what they do. And so does 702 and so does Power FM and so does the Mail and Guardian and I can go on. We have no independent media in this country speaking to people and telling people the truth. And the one good thing that's come out of this is people seeing that those people do nothing for them nothing the only people who will save them when the purge comes for them is themselves and their communities um gareth um, if you remember i think it was a few months ago I, I said this that south africa is waking up to realize that it's a small town so everyone <laughs> in small towns has already been through all of this yes. and so all of you have just woken up in the small town of of Bertfontein today <laughs> and you yeah. think is it, you're grappling with issues we already grappled with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Such a good A month point. ago, I, I think it was a month ago, a month ago, um, the ANC faction in our, in our area wanted to rise up against the mayor and go unseat him because he's this corrupt um, idiot, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody cared. Like, literally, everybody looked at them and said, so what do you want us to do? Mm-hmm. He's your party person. Go ahead. We don't yeah. care. Right. And so this... The narratives of the bad ANC versus the good ANC are already dead in small towns. The ANC in small towns is dead. And so when you think about it, the, the country is in this, in this stage that it's at right now, is that people are starting to notice and are starting to become proactive in what, they, what they're seeing, right? Yeah. Because it, people are seeing this all the time, but they were like, okay, whatever. But now, like in small towns, People are willing now to tell you, we don't care about your, your struggle, right? We don't care that your former president is in jail. And we also think your president is basically an amoeba because anything that happens, he just reacts in a very strange way and sort of like hides. He's like this unicell organism that if not stimulated by something, nothing else happens. So 
Even when, no, stimu- even when stimulated, nothing much happens. <laughs> no, when, when stimulated, when stimulated, an amoeba is surprised, just like our president. He's always surprised, right? Because the reply he gave, the reply he gave to this, when he, when he went out and gave his speech that we all thought was going to stabilize the nation, he basically said, you know what? Our pe- my people, the people around me haven't told me enough. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm so... <laughs> All we need to do is to protect the harbor, protect the trucks, and let's get the logistics going. Um, everybody else, just please calm down, guys. The 9 million um, unemployed guys and girls who are desperate enough to say, you know what, man, screw this. Let me go get food. Cause, and I, and I heard, also heard people, just let me riff for a little bit. I also heard people then saying, if it's about hunger, why take a TV? Do you expect my, my, my poverty to have some sort of morality linked to it to say, oh, no, I only need milli meal and sugar. And so that big screen TV right there is off limits because I'm not greedy. <laughs> Greed is not only for the rich. <laughs> Poor people can be greedy, too. I want to have a 52-inch TV. If you give, it, if you give me the opportunity to have one, and maybe, I'm going to take it. And maybe I sell it for milli meal. Who knows? You know? <laughs> so, and you know? I, I'm I'm so mad at that. But also, you know, when we look at the, the people who are looting, and I think this is important, you know, even though this conversation is flowing, the, in the people that are looting, there are three people to consider here, right? One is the impoverished, desperate, one of the nine million people who doesn't have a job, who doesn't want to be a criminal, who just needed something. And then got to the store and was like, oh, wait, now that I'm here for the milli meal, there's also a fridge and a nice-looking stove and clothes. So I'm taking all of that, right? Mm. But then secondly, there are people who are the, the, the criminal, right? The criminal mm. element, the people who had already given up trying to be part of society long ago, who are just like, you know what, I'm going to rob people. And then they got there and they're like, oh, now I'm going to rob a store. And so there are those people. And then the last group I think is the most deplorable are the people who are who are who are well enough in the in these neighborhoods, right? The person who ha, who does have a bucky and then decides to go fill that bucky with furniture, or go fill that bucky with with sugar and whatever to sell. I think those people for me are horrible. And I saw people. I saw a guy in a Mercedes Benz. Yeah. Looting. And the like, words. Yeah. <laughs> a private schoolboy. Yeah. I could have jumped into the TV and kicked that guy in the throat because he he delegitimizes the the poverty of the people around him, right? Mm. The people that were there for for the purposes of trying to go like, okay, I, I'm at the end of my wits. And then here is a mall that's wide open for me to take things from. Mm. But then secondly, I think we, we also fail to notice another thing, how the people, if you look at the, the, the looting at Jabulani Mall, that for me was the scariest one. That the young people they knew, they knew for a fact that they outnumbered the police. They knew for a fact that if we all rush this police, because remember Jabulani, Jabulani Mall is right in front of Jabulani Police Station. Yes. It's it's right there. These guys hijacked a garbage truck and used it as a battering ram. It means these people have also thought about so during the day somebody thought. What, which way is the best way to just ransack this mall? And this just presented that opportunity we were all talking about, or sitting on the corner, having nothing to do. And so I think 
that also becomes a very dangerous thing. Yeah. The police recruiting in this country is horrendous. Those police officers just like put their hands on their waists and they were like, uh, yeah, they're stealing these things. It's bad, right? And then the young people have also now realized their power. And once they consolidate that, so let's assume this will all be over and our magic serum will come down and give us all buffaloes worth two million rand and we'll be happy. <laughs> After this... Those young people still understand that power dynamic between them and the police. That is going to be something very, very interesting to watch going into the future. Well, Sub well, says Sub says quickly, just I'll throw this in, Jonathan, and let you have a go. What about that fellow who stole coffins? That dude is cold as fuck. <laughs> All right, so what do you, what do you want to say to, to what I, he says? I just want to know what he knows. I mean, he knows his date of death. Um, <laughs> needs a coffin to be buried in. Yeah, yeah I, look... You know, inequality is often spoken about in South Africa, um, and it, it is it is part of the problem here. But but one of the things that isn't spoken about very often um, is the slow decay of our moral compass. Um, the reality is is that you know all those various types of looters that Lito is describing um, are all people who decided in the moment that this was real life Reggie's rush. Um, and uh, it was their opportunity to go and 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 take stuff. And and the reality is that's got nothing to do with with poverty or wealth. That's got everything to do with morals and values. Um, we've we've got twenty years of this government looting this country. Yeah. Um, we've got you know forty years before that of the previous government looting the country. Um, uh, a reminder that all governments are the same. Um, and the reality is is that. We, we we really need to get on top of that. The, the other issue pointed to is the policing. Uh, you know, I've spoken about, I know you spoke about it early in the show, but I, I called it Marikana syndrome not long after Marikana happened. Um, and my concern was that obviously there were atrocities committed uh, on the part of police um, at Marikana. Sure. Uh, the issue was is that instead of saying, look, we made mistakes, but that doesn't mean public order policing is a bad thing. Yeah. That doesn't mean there's no place ever for live ammunition. Right. Um, that doesn't mean the police cannot, you know, Becky clearly said we must shoot to kill and everyone went nuts. Um, yes, I agree with the general sentiment that says we can't just shoot to kill whenever we want. But there is a time and a place to shoot to kill. Yeah. Um, and and the, the, the problem we have now is that we neutered our police post Marikana. Um, even more so than they'd been hollowed out before that with the removal of specialist units. And as a result of that, when something like this goes down, we can very much see that the police are completely in, uh, unable to to tackle this. Now, yeah. the only way we're going to prevent what Lito's referring to, where people realize the police cannot control them, is by giving the police power back. Yeah. Um, one of the jobs of the state is to protect citizens. And the way they do that is through a competent police force. Um, and I think people can't separate sometimes the difference between a competent police force, which does use force when necessary, and a police force that uses force unnecessarily. And unfortunately, in, in South Africa, we've got a very bad history, yeah. um, both in post-apartheid and pre-apartheid South, uh, South Africa, whereby or in the police, the police Africa, were a political the police weapon. Have done yeah. that. No, I think that's a really valid point, and I think that that's also part of Cyril's psychological problem at the moment is Marikana's hanging over him too. Um, and Pumi just went like this when I asked her about it earlier. She's like, check the worry in my eyes as a point you know, Cyril might make. But 
I do think that that there is there's there's also this general inability to make decisions, which is is now it's coming home to roost. Like now is not the time to prevaricate or to try and please different factions or to try and hold the ANC together. Those days are long gone. Now we're into the hard, tough territory of life and death for some people. And we're talking about looters. But there are communities that are armed and dangerous and fighting for their survival right now. And there are things that are very, very serious about this that have less to do with a macro distribution center and more to do with 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 people who want to live in an orderly society where there are rules and there are laws and those laws and rules make it possible for us to live in a civilized manner together. And then the people who just don't care about those rules and laws at all. And that's the real problem. That's the division that I was I, I wrote about two days ago. What do you guys think of that? Um, I actually read that piece and I, and I agree with it, right? And, you know, I, I'm very concerned about the activation of the armed people who want to protect their communities, right? Yeah. From all across the board. Um, so I, I, I heard a lot of people saying, oh, it's the whites or the Indians that are armed. But more concerning is what those people do after this episode, right? Correct. Does it mean that those people arm themselves more and consider themselves a, a, a sort of like, a militia type um, outfit, yeah. But also, I also saw people applauding taxi drivers for for the actions that they're taking, like Santaco, for instance, saying taxi drivers are prepared and will um, protect these um, these malls and shopping centers because our lives are linked to these to transporting people to these places. And then you saw what they did with Andile Lungisa, right? Although he's like a mammoth butthole, and everyone just should laugh at him, they threatened him <laughs> and they said. If people riot, we're coming for you, right? And people don't understand the the influence that the taxi industry has always had with violence, right? In that, in small towns, I remember in, in Valcom, right, in the 90s, people were more inclined to call the taxi association more than they would call the police because the taxi association would come into your neighborhood if we said, well, there's Leto, he stole my cell phone or he stole my TV. They'd come in, beat him to death, and then move out, right? Mm. And so what for me is the power that comes with knowing you you are feared and you can become this outfit that becomes the police outside of the system where yes. the police are totally <clears throat> useless. Well is is but, for me but, but, but scarier Lito, than anything else. Lito, though, you know, if there's a vacuum it's gonna be filled, right? And if there's a security vacuum it's gonna be filled by whoever's po- most powerful and whoever has the most ammo. And and that's what you're pointing out here. Sure. But it but it's gonna happen whether we like it or not. That is true, but all, all I'm saying is caution to it, you know. Mm. I, I'm I'm all for people protecting what is theirs and what they think is going to help them become better people. Sure. But my caution is what that means, right? Because at times it moves from beyond. Because at times, like right now, you want to protect what's yours, right? Yeah. My fear is when that defense suddenly turns to offense mm. because we are scared that these people will come again. So let, let's just go kill two or three of them to show them not to come and mess with us, right? Just the example with Andile Lungisa, right? Mm. We all hate him. He's an idiot. We mm. don't like him. But the threat, even though it's funny because he, yeah. he, he, he folded and he was like, I'm sorry, don't loot. Um, Zuma can go rot in jail. The biggest problem is that... <laughs> That violence that these people will now hold over society might become something we all never bargain for. Yeah. 
right? Because we can we can hold the state accountable. We can point at Begitel and say, you're an idiot. You see what you did wrong? Mm-hmm. Can you really point at them and tell them that? And so it's it's just a, co- a word of caution to the wise, or not so wise in this case. Yeah. Pumi? More than that, you know, the, earlier I spoke about 80s backlash, but flashback for me, and what we're seeing today is playing out on a larger scale. What ha- On a larger scale, what happened in the 80s and the early 90s, predominantly in townships, and now it's spilling over into the whole country. And ooh, everyone's favorite EFFer, I don't know if many people know this, but he, his PhD um, <clears throat> uh, was atrocious. Is actually, is, but what it is about is it's about what happened to all those young people who were in what they used to call uh, SDUs, self-defense units in the townships, who had become hyper-militarized. And when the new dispensation came in 1994, they were essentially just became irrelevant. There were no more street committees. There were no more organized groups of people that were trying to protect their uh, their little piece of South Africa in their streets. So they were mm. called SDUs. And all of those guys, mainly most of them, and where he comes from in the Val, a lot of them became the Tsotis that started ruling by fear in the townships, yeah. right? That's what they became. And that's what Lieto's talking about even now. So that, that's what's, what, ha- what happens after this. What happens when, when the imminent threat is now gone and the and the and and the the power that the taxi drivers have the taxi owners have the the armed uh, young people from mm. bluff somebody said the armed pe- mm. boys from bluff somebody said earlier who now know that they have this power and mm. they are unchecked and there's a police service that is unable to well, to call uh, again- them to order don't we have don't we have to lay the blame for that at the feet of the, of this administration and the administrations before it because they've hollowed out the police and made the police a laughing stock no one takes becky taylor seriously no one's afraid of him but that doesn't solve our problem laying the blame at this point no, is sure. not going to but, solve but, our problem but it, it, we, we have to think about what comes after how do we well, rebuild how do we move forward from where no, we nothing are. comes no, nothing comes after pumi like the, this idea you know i i i'm i'm really tired of no matter what happens gun owners um are being demonized as these boogeymen and even if they haven't done anything bad yet and even it, it, that though they show good faith again and again and again they must be demonized that they might do something down the road which we won't like um, those SDU units turned into Tsotsis and terrorized their communities because their communities were unarmed and untrained to deal with them. The realities are is that there is nothing special about the police force. Those people who are, who are um, guarding their communities probably have more training than the police. Do you know that the police fire 15 rounds once a year as their entire firearms training? Anyone carrying a weapon on the streets protecting their suburb and community is doing way more training than that in the firing range. The policeman has no training and basically a uniform and a couple of epaulets and flashes. And we mm. go, oh, they're the, the arbitra- arbiters of, of, of this sort of protection. The reality is, is that South Africa hasn't had a competent police force for more than a decade. We have a, a, a security services three times the size of the police force. The reality is, is that if the security services wanted to organize a coup in this country, they could because they are three times the size of the police services. And that is not Jonathan. a question here, Jonathan. So I, uh, it's not about gun owners who hmm. are responsible. 
we're talking about what we're seeing today is we're seeing gun owners shooting people no, no, point no, no, sorry. in the streets. Hold on, hold That's on, not hold on. That's don't, not don't, be, don't be emotional. Don't be emotional. That's, Just listen emotion. to what I'm, I'm saying I'm to you. To lies. Listen to what I am saying to you. Okay? okay. So it is not about people who are currently protecting themselves and protecting their property and protecting their communities. That's not what we are talking about. We are talking about what it is that happens when that vacuum that we're talking about is created. And not everybody who is a gun owner, who is a trained gun owner, is a benevolent gun owner. So just just yeah. abuse exactly yourself. That's exactly why everyone should be a gun too. owner. That's exactly why everyone should be a gun owner. Not where I come from. Not where I come from, Jonathan. And the problem is, there's this assumption of this righteous gun owner who's responsible and legal. Where I come from, all the gun owners are not righteous, and most of the guns are not legal. That's right. Criminals are not righteous. No, 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 no. Not criminals. Not criminals. There are people who The minute you're not righteous, you become a criminal because you're likely breaking the law, Lito. No. There are people in my neighborhood who have guns, who never yes. use them in a nefarious way, but those guns are illegal. Well, then they're criminals. But that that I, means but they're lawbreakers, correct? They're criminals, by definition. Oh, so if I have a piece of paper that says I should have a gun, I'm a criminal. Yes, no, no. But if I don't, I'm not a criminal. No, if you, if you have the I piece said, of paper... You said illegal weapons. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, no, no. that's cut and dried. No, 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 no. Those weapons aren't illegal. The weapons okay. are legal... They get yes, they okay. get the weapons from the police. Uh, okay, right? they, they get the weapons. No, no, no. They get the firearms from the police, yeah. but they have oh, no they license get sold by the, the police. Firearm. Then they're exactly. then that's, well, that, then that's, that's criminal against the law. Yeah. They're criminals no, no, no. by definition. Right, but now you are saying, "Oh, it's against the law." So next time he points a gun at me, I must just say to him, "Hey, this gun is against the law." Because that's the problem you're missing. Is that no, next time someone points a gun at you, you should be able to point a gun back at them and go, if you don't stop pointing that gun at me, you're going to die. Which is exactly what happened on our streets the other day, which Pumi was trying to point out as gun owners just shooting people in the face, which is not what happened. Because when people threw stones and fired weapons at people protecting their property, they fired back, which is completely within the law. Yeah, I just want to quickly direct us in, in a, in a, in a, in a useful way here, because I don't want this to become about gun ownership. Um, I think that what we, what <laughs> yeah, we, I have Gideon on for that. No, but I, I believe that, you know, this, uh, this is an argument which we'll carry on having, but at this stage, I would much rather have legal firearm owners as my neighbors, um, in a tough situation than have people who are unarmed all around me and uh, gun free South Africa. I'm sure you can phone them a hundred times and they'll, they'll put up, uh, notices and arrive and, and make speeches, but they're going to be useless to you in a situation like this. So let's just turn our As attention. Proven, how do we go through the last 72 hours I, and have this I, argument? I agree. But Pumi, you brought up at the beginning of the show this morning, this thing that's happening in Phoenix right now and this is a very very difficult thing to talk about in south africa because it does involve those things which we've skirted by for a long time there's a little bit of tribalism here there's a bit of racism going on here because people do decamp into these areas when things get a bit tough so what's happening in phoenix now is it's being put together as this indian versus zulu situation what do you guys think of that and what do you what do you make as a solution for coming out of this problem um so if I can start this off. Sure. So I think that the Indian versus Zulu situation is one that we conveniently ignored as South Africans, right? Because 
it was nicer to point at the whites and said, yeah, the whites are racist, they hate us, right? But the Indians versus Zulu situation is one that we all conveniently decided to forget, that these two races don't get along, even though they live alongside each other. And there has been a, a tension there that has boiled and is now manifesting itself. And so the biggest problem is that since it hasn't been spoken about and everybody just keeps coming to these communities and saying, oh, quit trying to kill each other or quit burning these people's shacks or quit shooting these people. The problem there is that nobody actually got to the core of why these two groups hate each other that much to the point at which you can leave your house and go and burn somebody's shack down, right? And so the first question that we must ask is, where does it stem from? And what do we do? Because it, it was basically, if you, if you want to boil it down to the simplest form, the Group Areas Act was very responsible for that, right? This line that divides these two communities yeah. and the fear of crossing that line. Like in Valcom, for instance, let me just use my small town for, as an example. There's a place called Bronville. Bronville mm-hmm. is all where is where all the coloreds live. In my whole life, I've lived here ever since I was born in 1989. I have never gone to Bronville, and I am still afraid to go to Bronville. I have no idea why, right? Mm. But I'm afraid to go to where the coloreds are. And so, in times of strife, me and the colored will always fight, right? Mm. It's the one from Tabong. Oh no, it's the one from Bronville. Mm. And so. Starting from there, the fear starts to breed and and basically multiply itself a hundredfold. And then you get to the point that we are now. And people are not trying to get to the core, but always want to de-escalate. We love this thing of de-escalation. Mm. But we should get to the core of why these two communities hate each other and try to get them over that bridge. And not everybody's going to love each other from those communities. Some of them are still going to want to shoot each other in the face. But what we should be doing is getting the majority of the people to get to understand the other side. But now I think it's also being pushed to a place where it might be irreconcilable. I'm poor, I live in a shack, and you come and burn my shack. Do you want to add anything to what Lita said here? Look, I think the, the racial divides in this country run true and deep. And they're always going to be the the easiest place to go to to say this is what is problematic. It's the easiest place, and it's it's one that we can easily see. We can see it in in our faces, you know. But the the real problems that we have in this country are about the inequity. It's about the disenfranchised people. It's about the fact that we have twenty five million people unemployed. We have. 30 million people living on 20 rand a day, those things. And, and it, it's, it becomes a thing of who has and who doesn't. And when you look at who has, again, because of historical reasons, the races run from different places. But right now, the biggest haves in this country are people sitting in our government, are people with political patronage. Those are the people that have. And, yeah. and we are now in a place where the angry hungry, jobless masses have, have overrun, <laughs> have overrun everything else. And, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah. We're seeing, we're seeing that anger. Jonathan, and you... then it, it plays out along all of the various lines of discontent that we have with the Russians, huh? that is where it is playing out. 
Do you want to add something to this, Jonathan? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I just think that South Africa loves identity politics. It's it's almost, it's where we've come from as a country. Um, we almost invented it for the rest of the world in some respects. And, um, you know, again, uh, it's true that, that a lot of the problems we have uh, lead to lead to these issues, but we're not really asking the questions of how did we get to these problems in the first place. Um, what is the reason um, that we've got the inequity that Pumi's referring to? Um, you know, what what are our financial and economic policies that led us here? What are our social policies that led us here? Mm. I, I'm yet to see anyone uh, really try have this discussion um, to instead of going well, the Indians and the whites and the blacks and all the rest of that. Um, sure, uh, you know, in, in a moment of strife, any South African is going to rise up against the first thing they can try and blame. And in South Africa, that's just standard. You blame race. Um, but but re- the, re- the reality is, is we have 20 years at least now of very bad policy um, by our government, um, championed by many, many people. Uh, both in the corporate world and in the media world and in the academic world, which yeah. has led us to this point. And we're either going to choose to change those policies and realize that nobody is being helped. I mean, the fact that we have a billionaire BE president who really has provided very little value to the world in comparison to other billionaires. Yeah. Um, the fact that that, 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 that is a reality and, and nobody and the- has opened their eyes and gone, well, maybe this isn't working. Maybe we should stop following Soviet um, policy. You know, one of the things that that really uh, bothered me um, with regards to some of the responses to my tweet thread was that people don't know the history of the ANC. They don't know the things that Rob Davies and other people are writing. They don't know the internal policy documents. We no, because it's, it's so boring. It's so boring. Believes. It's so boring that no one can be bothered to troll through it. But my God, if you, if you did, if you spent five minutes looking at it, you'd realize how completely barren their ideology's been since the seventies. It, it 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 is full of Lenin and Stalin. Those people and Mao. Now, those people are failed individuals who murdered millions upon millions of people. We need to abandon this ideology. I know that people want to demonize things like capitalism and the free market, but the socialism and communism path is not working for us. It's not helping. And don't tell me about rich people in Stanton. That's crony capitalism. They have hooked up with the government and they are in bed with them. If COVID didn't show you that, nothing will. Yeah. I mean, they, they were the, the main uh, implementers of, of, of government policy for the longest time. Look at the insurance companies and the health companies. I mean, anyway, I, I, I think that's a valid point, but it doesn't help people who are frightened in Phoenix today. It doesn't help people in Umlazi who are frightened today, and it doesn't help people in Umtlanga who are worried today. Um, what, what do you guys suggest is the best course of action out of this, and what do you think is on the other side? Do you think there is a rebuilding that's likely to take place? Do you think that someone is going to fill these, these vacuums in leadership, in violence, in force, in power? What's going to happen? What's the next step? We've only got 10 minutes left of this. I'd like to hear where you think we go from here. Lito, you can start. That's been the pattern so far this morning. (laughs) Okay. So the rebuilding is going to be very difficult because what happens after points like this is the, the reverting to your base instinct. Your base instinct now as a business owner is to reinforce the, the, the group areas act, right? 
is to take your business and say it's risky to go into the township, even though they say there's an economy there to be exploited. I'm going to take my mall and leave. I'm going to take my Mr. Price and go because every time I go there, if it does get looted, because remember, the actuaries would actually tell business owners to say, if you want to take your business into those neighborhoods, we are going There's to risk. charge yeah. you more for insurance because those people are a huge risk, right. right? And so most people are going to go back into their little corners because that's the safest option. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with that is it's going to be one of the riskiest periods in South Africa post, um, post-1994 because from here, then there are leaders who are going to come and exploit desperation. And there are leaders who are very good at that. And I know you said you shouldn't call them leaders, but we should call them that for now, right? Exploit. Is that Bantu Holomisa is very good at speaking to a, to a desperate person who needs militarization. Mm. He's one of the people to look out for. Right. Um, Julius Malema is trying to fashion himself in that way. And he's already spoken about this unled revolution. So his next step is to say, you see what happens when you have an unled revolution? I'm here to lead you, right? He wants to come and fill that vacuum. And so the biggest issue now is that if we don't disarm the 9 million plus young people who have energy, who have time, if we don't disarm them with opportunities, we are going to be in a much worse of like situation in the next year or so, where that where that nine million turns to ten or eleven million, and so the biggest problem for me is that the people who are in a place to make the changes are going to revert back to their corners, which is not the wise thing to do, but the safe thing to do. Being safe is not going to is not going to be what's going to take us forward. Yeah. And I think the outlook should be one of 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 exploration and you know. Christopher Columbus, if we if we put it in that way, mm. just drive a ship somewhere and try and help those people and say, "I'm here to help you, but colonize them until they can call you a racist." <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't sound like a great plan by social anthropology means. I mean, you know, there are, there are academics all over the country who, if they heard you say that, would would be recoiling in horror. What do you think the answers are, Jonathan? I'll let Pumi round it up. Yeah. I- I mean, I don't have any answers and I'm not sure anyone else does for, you know, people worried today um, and who are have lived through a few nights of, um, you know, ongoing violence and yeah. and gunfire and and are worried to leave their houses, et cetera. And, and, and I, I do empathize with that. There, there is no answer to that. I think uh, in some cases, in my opinion, the answer has been the community's communities taking things into their own hands and protecting themselves um, for the moment. Um, yes, that's not that's not necessarily uh, having your husband patrolling the streets is not necessarily a, an ongoing answer. I think that I think, you know, South Africans need to look to the medium and long term. They need to they need to look towards that. We need to remember that this government is voted into power by a minority of citizens. Um, at the end of the day, the, the, the ANC gets a little over 10 million votes. Yep. Um, and, and there are enough people in this country, even if every single one of those 10 million people still vote for them. And in my view, they still will. Um, the, the, the reality is there are enough people to unseat the government. 
um, the, the, the greatest stability in this country was Nelson Mandela's government, which was, um, which was, um, a, a unity government. It had many voices from many different aspects. You know, there were uh, trade unionists in it, but there were also very ardent capitalists in it. Um, we had a, a finance minister with his head screwed on about how the world worked and how countries get rich. Um, and the, the reality is we need to start looking towards that. We, if only we could get away from from silly arguments like, uh, you know, the DA is a white party, or the or the, does anyone really believe that this week would have been worse if the DA were in power? I mean, seriously, um, you know. And the reality is, everyone makes those memes about Cape Town and and Cape Town yeah. pointing their noses down at the rest of the country. Why, guys? What's different in Cape Town? Tell me. What's different in the Western Cape? Never mind just Cape Town. There are poor areas in the Western Cape. Yep. There are angry people in the Western Cape. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of problems in the Western Cape. The DA hasn't solved all of those. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, under any illusion. But the reality is, is that we need to, we need to start looking at things as a country and, and deciding where we want to go. Um, and we need to understand the problems that have led us to this point. And hopefully, you know, communities can start making better decisions for themselves um, so that we, we we don't end up in this point ever again. Well, otherwise, all that inequality that Pumi was talking about earlier is just going to be exacerbated. Like Lito says, that the, the shops are going to pull out of the townships. The people who have guns are going to get more guns. And all that ends up happening is that the power dynamics become much more entrenched. And that's not good Look, for we're, anybody. We're at, a, we're at a precipice, I think, and, and, and hopefully we haven't passed it. You know, but there's a point at which countries get to where the, the, the levels of unemployment, poverty, hopelessness, uh, lack of education, um, you know, no way out, just, just basically compound and, and you cannot ever get out of them. And we've seen that in some South American countries, in some other African countries. I still think there's, there's a chance to save it in, in South Africa, but we need to make significant, significant changes in the way we do things as a country, mm. in the way our, our politicians behave, um, in who governs us and, uh, and in what they do when they, when they govern us. Pumi, it's over to you to close it off this morning. What do you have to say? My favorite thing about this morning is both Leto and Jonathan keep talking about we. Mm. We mm. need to make mm. better decisions. We need to make changes. We need to take control of our own futures. And I think the most important thing is for all of us to realize that we is made up of you and me. So you and I have to do something in order for things to change. We cannot, we cannot be sitting here hoping that somebody else is going to step up and make the change, hoping that somebody else is going to step up and provide leadership. We have to do it. That's beautifully said. I'm just going to quickly end off with something from Tracy here, who's, I think it's Tracy who sent this uh, this message. Yeah, she says, I recall David Attenborough's reflection of that jar with the red ants and the black ants. Everybody's getting along fine in the jar until someone shakes the jar, and then they start killing each other. So we need to ask in this country, who is shaking the jar? I think that's a very valid point to end on. So, Lito Ndoba, Pumi Mashiko, Jonathan Witt, thank you all very much for a very uh, elucidating discussion this morning. I'm sure that we will have plenty more to talk about in the coming weeks, but you've all been tremendously helpful. And um, and hopefully there'll be people who are listening now who are able to make more sense. Certainly you've helped me of this uh, this madness all around us. And, and also hopefully we'll return to the burning platform next week in a South Africa with a lot less violence and criminality and and falling into, into racial and ethnic and tribal 
lines of hatred and let's see that we can we can get again the we to the forefront of all of this pumi very very nice thanks guys have an excellent day that is the burning platform it's brought to you by nando's thank you to all of our guests and most especially thank you to you for joining us we will see you tomorrow six o'clock bright and early thanks very much for being part of this cliffcentral.com